0: Hard to imagine uh, we 've said this the last couple of weeks, but here we are we 've got two more Sundays, a little over two and a half weeks till we get to christmas and it 's like I, I still marvel at this year going by so quickly and that we 're almost to that point already and so here it comes upon us whether or rather, whether we 're ready for it or not and so last week, what we did is we started to talk about as we walked through the season preparing for Christmas, the season of advent of jesus 's first coming as we remember. Uh, Christmas and what it means for us. We wanted to uh, just stop and kind of last week and these next couple of weeks really put our focus on making the celebration of Christmas truly about Jesus and him being at the center of everything we do and say. And uh, as we gather and as we sing these songs, as we think about it, that we would just have him as central in all things. And it can become very difficult at different times as we go through this season. You know, Joanna and I were sitting on the couch last night and she was saying, oh, I've got so much to do and so many things to get ready. And it's just natural. You feel that pressure and all these things that are coming at you and all these things that you have going on. And so it's easy for our focus to get taken off the center of what this time of year is truly about and what Christ has really done for us. And so these few weeks, we're trying to put a real focus on the incarnation, what it means that Jesus came to us, why that is so important for us. You know, last week we talked about how in Ephesians chapter one, it says that God chose us in him, Jesus, before the foundation of the earth, that before God did anything that he chose a people for himself that he was going to redeem through Jesus Christ. And so what we said is all of history, all of it points To the person and work of Jesus Christ and what he would come and do. And so what we looked at last week with that kind of over the banner was second Corinthians chapter one, where it tells us that all of the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. And so this week we're going to kind of continue with that being the banner. But what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks as we as we think about how Jesus is the culmination of all those promises and all God's doing from all history is we're going to look at it kind of this way. The next three times this week and the next two weeks we get together and we're going to look at this idea of Jesus being the true and better promise of all the things we see. And so in the Old Testament, we see different offices come up in Scripture. We see this idea of prophet. And of a priest and of a king. And you see that all the way throughout the Old Testament. And what we're going to look at today in the next two weeks is how Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment. He is the true and better prophet. He is the true and better priest. And he is the true and better king. And so we're going to look at all three of those. And we're going to look at those. And I want to just tell you as we do and we go through that, it's important that we see Jesus as all three of those offices. We need to see him. As each one, because what happens a lot of times is we emphasize uh, an, a part of Jesus or a part of God's character in the way he's revealed himself. But we, we kind of leave other parts of it to the side and we get a distorted view. And so we need to see the fullness of how Christ is all three of those perfectly. And he fulfills that he is the better priest and prophet and king. Uh, it made me think this week. I was thinking, and someone can correct me. You can come tell me if you know which book it is, because I couldn't find it this week. But in one of C.S. Lewis's books, I think it's The Four Loves, but I might be wrong. And so if I'm wrong, come tell me. But uh, he talks about going to a friend's funeral and how the people gather around together and they're recounting this friend that's passed away and they're talking about how uh, different people would stand up and talk about the friend that had passed. And, and one person would talk about him in a work relationship and say, oh, he was the hardest worker and he was always so serious and he got his work done. And then somebody else would stand up and say, oh, he was the, the best uh, practical joker in the world. And he was so funny. And the people that worked with him were going, really, I didn't I didn't know that. And then somebody else would say uh, maybe his wife would say, oh, he was he was really loving and caring and very romantic. And everybody else went, well, I didn't know he was like that at all. And so what Lewis says is as is, is people begin to tell these stories. You get a fuller picture of the person. And in his book, what C.S. Lewis is saying is we do that together as a community in our understanding of who God is. As we share what God's doing in our lives, we see more fully who he is. But it came to mind this week as I'm thinking about this picture of Jesus as prophet and as priest and as king, that we need to see him as all those different sides to see a full picture of who our savior is. And so that's what we're going to look at. And we're going to think about these different areas. You know, when we talk about prophet. What we mean a lot of times is revealing who God is. Uh, Jesus sums it up really well in John chapter 19 when he's talking to Pilate. As he stands before Pilate and he's questioning him and he's asking these questions. Jesus says this in John chapter 19, verse 37. For this reason I was born and for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Jesus says, I'm showing you what God's like. And so when we talk about prophets in the Old Testament. We talk about prophets. We see that, that they're proclaiming what God's like. They're saying, thus says the Lord, and this is what he's like, and this is what we're like and and telling us that. And so that's kind of what we mean when we talk about prophet. When We talk about priest and you read through in the Old Testament and the way God set things up. A priest was the one that would intercede for the people going to God, kind of an intermediary between man and God. And you would see that as the priest would make sacrifices on behalf of the people who would preside over these things that God told them. And so the priest, in a lot of ways, was the intermediary between God and man. And then we see kings. We see kings rise and God puts different men in that position. You see that. Uh, Come in with Saul and David and Solomon and the United Kingdom in the Old Testament. And these men would rule over the people and they would make laws and the people would uh, pledge their allegiance and follow them. And you see that picture. And so you see those throughout the Old Testament, this idea of prophet and priest and king and Jesus. What we see in the New Testament is he fulfills all of those offices perfectly and fully. And the importance of holding all three of those as we begin today and think about it is if we overemphasize Jesus as one and we leave one or, the, or two of the others out, we get this distorted view. For example, if we say that Jesus uh, is just our king, he demands our allegiance and obedience, which is true and he does. But if that's the only way we see Jesus, we can end up very legalistic. Jesus tells us what to do and we're to do it and we're to be obedient and we're all about rules and following those rules. But we miss that he's also our intermediary between us and God. And he's also the prophet that tells us exactly what God is like. And we can miss parts of it if we overemphasize the true is if Jesus is just our priest, if we just make him our priest, he uh, intercedes for us. He is the one that allows us to have a relationship with God. That is absolutely true. But if he's just that, oftentimes we can slip into licentiousness. We can end up being living however we want. It's okay. Jesus is my priest. He'll make he'll intercede for me. He'll bail me out. And so I can live however I want. And so it's important these next three weeks as we consider these that we have all three of them kind of held in balance. Jesus is perfectly all three, our prophet, our priest and our king. And so this morning I say that just as introduction to the next three weeks. But today we're really going to focus on on this idea of Jesus as our prophet. And to do that, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter one. If you want to follow along with me, we're going to look at Hebrews one, one to four in the pew Bibles. It's on page six hundred and forty eight. I say this every week, but I'll continue to say it if you need a Bible. Or, you know, someone that needs a Bible, that's why those are there. Please take them. If you can give that to somebody that needs one or you yourself need one, please take them. That's what they're there for. But if you'd follow along with me, we're going to read Hebrews one, one to four, and then we'll jump in and look at this together. And so starting in verse one, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's pray. And then we're going to look at those verses together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is eternal and it is life giving. We pray this morning that as we open it, that you would be our teacher, that your spirit would move in this place, that you would lead and guide us, that you would apply these truths to our hearts, that you would show us areas where we're not trusting you, but you would quickly remind us of the grace that we find in the cross of Jesus. I pray that as we spend time in your word that you would be glorified and honored with what we say and do here this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So Hebrews 1 here, this is the big way, big picture how I want us to do this. First, just to think of what is a prophet? That big idea, make sure we understand what a prophet is. Then secondly, how is Jesus the truer and better prophet? How is he the perfect fulfillment of that And then lastly, why is that such good news for us? And that outline is actually in your bulletin. If you like to follow along with that or that helped you at all, that's towards the back of your bulletin just for your for your own help. But so let's start with just this idea of what do we mean when we say a prophet? And in Hebrews one, one, it tells us pretty clearly. It says long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by prophets. And so the idea when we think about prophets and we go back and we look at what God's doing With prophets, what we mean is, is God has revealed to us at different times who he is through different men that he has chosen. He's given them words to say. He's given them things to go and tell the people to reveal things about who God is and who we are. And so that's exactly what he says here. The author of Hebrews says in verse one, God has spoken to our fathers by prophets. He's used different people to proclaim who God is. And you can go back throughout the Old Testament. You can see lots of different ways that God does this. You could pick one of many different examples. Uh, What came to my mind immediately is the beginning of Exodus. Exodus chapter three is God calls Moses in the burning bush and he tells them, you're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to be my spokesman and you're going to tell him to let my people go. You're going to go and speak on my behalf. And Moses kind of tries to back out of it and weasel out of it and the things he says, he says, oh, I don't speak so well. I don't do those things. And, and God tells him, you go. And he says, well, who do I tell them?" He says, you tell them, I am sent you or Yahweh, the covenant God has sent you to tell them, my pe- let my people go. And so he ends up getting Aaron to go with him. And he actually says some of the things because he's nervous. But you, you see is that God chooses a man. He says, I want you to go and proclaim who I am and be my spokesman and reveal who I am. And you see Moses doing that. You see him fulfilling that office as he goes and speaks what God tells him. Or one of my favorite in scripture is the beginning of the book of Jeremiah. One of the prophets, one of the major prophets And you see in Jeremiah's book, when you open and you read at the beginning, God calls Jeremiah and he says, you are going to go and speak and I'm going to put you over nations and kingdoms. You're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to go say and he calls Jeremiah and similarly to Moses, he goes, oh, wait a second. I'm too young for this. And God says, no, no, no. It's it's what I'm doing. You just say what you hear. And so you get to the beginning of chapter two and it says that that that, uh, Jeremiah went and he spoke all the things that God told him. He got up and he said what God told him to say. And he began to reveal who God is and what he calls us to do. And he speaks and he sees these things. And so you see this all the way throughout the Old Testament. God uses many different people at different times. And he gives them these words to say and they go and they proclaim and they stand up and they say, thus says the Lord. And they they speak what God has said. And you see this happen over and over. Faithful men proclaim what God told them to do. But the hard part is what happens when you read through the Old Testament. Whenever that happens, God calls men almost uh, exclusively what happens over and over as they do that. They end up getting persecuted. They end up getting beaten and thrown out and all kinds of things happen to them. And they stand up and they proclaim and that's what happens over and over. We see it with God's prophets happening again and again. You see, Jesus sum up why for us in Matthew chapter twenty seven. He says this, "O Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing You understand what Jesus says? He says, I sent men to tell you about who I am and proclaim my name and you kill them and you walked away. You rejected them. You didn't listen to what they were saying. And you see this happen over and over in Scripture. You see God's word proclaimed and that happens. God's spokesman says this thus says the Lord and they proclaim what God says and people get upset. Why is that? Why is it when the God of the universe decides to reveal himself to us that we kill the ones that he sent to tell us? Well, Hebrews gives us a pretty good idea a couple chapters later. If you want to flip over one page to Hebrews four, verse 12, it gives you a pretty good idea. Listen to what it says. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says for the word of God is living and active, and it is sharper than any two edged sword, piercing the divisions of the soul and of the spirit of the joints of the marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God speaks and he speaks in different ways through many times in different ways through different men and men's hearts get revealed. We are sinful and that means we've decided to ignore God and the world that he has created. We walk away from him. And so when God speaks and he says, this is what it looks like to follow me, repent and turn back. That's hard for us to hear. It cuts to the division of our soul and our joints and it lays us bare. Go, I don't like that. And so you see that all throughout the Old Testament as God's word is spoken. And as it comes to bear, people go uh-uh, right? and they persecute the prophets and they kill them. That's why Jesus says what he says in Matthew 27. Oh, that I've sent you so many prophets and you continue to reject them over and over. And it's difficult for us to hear when we come face to face With the truth of God's word, it's true, not just in the days of the Old Testament. It's not true just in the days of Jesus, but it's the same today. If you proclaim boldly and clearly and it doesn't matter how loving or humbly you do it, you proclaim God's word, people are going to get upset. It's going to cut against what we often hold dear. Today, we live in a society very much that tries to relativize truth. That's true for you, but it's not true for me. And so that's fine. You keep that, which, by the way, is a total contradiction. <laughs> if They're both true. They can't both be true, but that's a whole nother thing. But we do that all the time. We say, ah, no, I don't, I'm not sure about that. I don't like that. That can't be the case. And so what happens is, is we try to sidestep that. We don't like to hear of Jesus as prophet, the true and better prophet. And so what happens, not just in our world, but in the church as well, we like to emphasize Jesus as our priest. Jesus is the priest and he intercedes for us between us and God and he loves us and he accepts us. And, he can, and that's all true. And that's all part of Jesus's character. But we like to make it all that because that's easier to take. And so oftentimes we were talking about this this morning in our hour before this in our new member classes, we were talking about church membership and what does it mean to belong and submit and be part of a body? And oftentimes we like to emphasize Jesus as priest. I have a personal relationship with God because Jesus is my priest. He has died for me. He has restored me to God. That's absolutely true. I've invited him into my heart. I have a personal relationship. It's me and God. And so I don't need to be part of a bigger body. Well, that's missing the clear commands of Scripture. Don't neglect meeting together as some of you have, and that's your habit. That's what it says in Hebrews. God tells us clearly that we need a body. We need to be together. We need those things. And we like to play down the parts we don't like. I'll take Jesus as priest, but I don't really want him as prophet. I certainly don't want him as king that tells me that I need to be obedient and follow everything he says. And so we do this often. We kind of pick and choose the parts that we like. And so when the prophet part of Jesus comes and he speaks truly of who he is and who we are, it cuts us. Like Hebrew says, it exposes us, it shows us. And so oftentimes we reject and we go against what God has clearly told us. And so when we think about this idea of what does it mean for prophet, What is a prophet? It's one that reveals who God is. Reveals who we are as well, but it's revealing what things are actually like. Like Jesus said, I came to bear witness to the truth. And so that's what we mean when we say prophet. And so now I want us to think for just a second on how Jesus is the true and better prophet. How he's the perfect fulfillment of that. And look at what the author in Hebrews says. Right? So verse one, he spoke to us in many times in all these different ways through different people. But then verse two, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Do you hear what the author is saying there? The inspired word of God tells us that God spoke in different ways at different times through all these men down through history. Kind of has a connotation there of almost like piecemeal. He gave us a little bit here with this prophet and a little bit here and a little bit here. And we're putting all of it together and we're starting to see what God's like. And he spoke to us in this way at that time. I think of it as kind of like you're watching a sporting event on your TV with rabbit ears. Right. You ever do that? Where It's like really grainy and it's really and and the sounds, not that good. And sometimes the screen flips and you're trying to see and and you can kind of make it out. You can kind of see it, but you don't see it completely. It's kind of like God's spoken to us by many different ways and all these different things throughout this time. But now he's spoken to us through his son at what it tells us in these last days. He's spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And by the way, this is just a side note. But he says in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. People like to speculate all the time. Are we in the end times? People ask that a lot. Maybe like to, for some reason, we have this preoccupation of trying to figure out that, the, you know, the Bible says from the time that Jesus came until now are the last days. Right? So people say, are we in the end times? I say, yes, absolutely. And we have been for the last 2000 years and we might be for the next thousand years. And I don't know. And we're supposed to live expectingly, hopefully that he would come today. But we don't know. That's a total side note, but it always it's there. And he says last days. And so that's what it says. But he says in these last days, in these end times, he's spoken to us in our son through his son. And it's no longer through different people at different times in different ways. It's through the fullness of his son, Jesus. Do you see the way he says it? He is the one who created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. See, when you see Jesus speak, you see God. The exact imprint of his nature. That means the exact same thing. When you see Jesus, you see God. It's no longer God whispering in the ear of the prophet and saying, go say thus says the Lord. When you see Jesus, you see God. Whereas you before you were watching on the TV through the snow and it's flipping. And now all of a sudden you're on the 50 yard line in the middle of the game with the sights and sounds. And it's right there in front of you. Perfect fullness. When Jesus comes, it's the exact imprint of the nature of God. And so when we start to think about Jesus being the true and better prophet. When you read through the Gospels, Jesus never says, thus says the Lord. What does he say? He says, verily, verily, I say to you, he doesn't say thus, says the Lord, he says, I say, because he is the exact imprint of the very nature of God. he's God. And so when we see Jesus, it's no longer God speaking through sinful, broken men, but God himself has entered into the picture and begins to speak. It's why you read all throughout the Gospels where it says, and all the people marveled at his teaching because he didn't speak as the Pharisees and the scribes, but he spoke as one with authority. He didn't just say, "Uh, I think this means this. He said, verily, truly, truly, this is the truth. I say to you this. And he spoke. And so it's like you go from from the little grainy picture to full color. And stereo complete right in front of you. And he begins to speak and say. And so when we see Jesus coming, you see this uh, something totally different. There's an authority that now comes as he speaks and as he walks and as he goes. It's a fullness of the picture of who God is. Incredible picture to think about that as Jesus speaks, you're hearing God speak. Now, when you think about the authority that comes with that. Oftentimes, like music or movies, uh, critics will write about movies and they'll give their interpretation. You ever read this? Some of them are so ridiculous, but you'll, you'll read uh, interpretation of, of maybe it's a movie about a father and a son and them growing up together. And some critic will write and they'll say, well, it's actually a commentary on race relations and whatever. You know, and they'll start talking about all these things and this is what it means and whatever. And then somebody will ask the guy who wrote the movie and the director. And they'll go, well, did you mean this to be a greater commentary on this? And they will go, no, no, no. It's about my dad and me. It's about my father and a son going together and growing up. That's what it's about. Right. And he gets to say that because he's the one that wrote it. He's the one that made the film and he wrote it and he knows what it's about. And he goes, no, no, no. It wasn't about that at all. It's about this. It's the same thing when Jesus enters into the story. right? Look at what it says. Uh, Through whom he also created the world. Talking about Jesus. The one that upholds. All things, the universe, by the word of his power. This is the one that enters in and begins to talk. When you are the creator, God, who upholds all things by the power of your word, you speak authoritatively. When you hear Jesus, you hear God. It's no longer through kind of shadowy things. It's no longer that way. It's complete and full in Christ. And so he's not merely a prophet in the way other prophets who came before him. There's a stark contrast from Jesus and all other prophets, which, by the way, this is where Christianity verges from all other religions in the world. All of the religions have prophets that come and tell you about what God's like and what you would do to reach him. And that's what Islam is. The prophet Muhammad comes. He says Jesus was a prophet and he was good. But now I have a fuller revelation and I'm going to tell you more clearly what God's like. And it's like this. Same with Buddha, really even the same with the Old Testament. When you read what Abraham and what Moses says, they're saying, look, this God is coming and this is what he's going to do. And they're pointing ahead. And that's what they're talking about. But then when Jesus comes, something different happens. He doesn't say I'm coming to show you and tell you uh, how you can reach to God. He comes and he says, I am God. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father but by me. You know what happens when he says that that's in John 14, he's in the upper room with the disciples and he says that to him. And then Philip quickly says, but father, just, just show us the father. He says this to Jesus, just show us the father and that'll be enough. And you know what Jesus says to him? How can you say that? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. He says the same thing that Hebrews one says, I am the exact imprint of the very nature of God. When you see me, you see the father. And so Jesus is not a prophet like other prophets. He is the true and better prophet who comes and he shows you and he tells you, I am God. And when you see me, you see God. And the part where he diverges above anyone else is we could say that I could stand up and tell you that. Or you could have someone think of the godliest person, you know, they could stand up and tell you uh, I'm God. What would you say? Yeah, your eyebrows went up, right? I saw a couple of people go. Exactly. You go, Ah, you're a good guy and all, but I don't think so. Right. Jesus came and said that he's the only one that could say that he's the only one that could turn to Philip and go, how can you ask to see the father? You've seen me. He's the only one that can do it. See, Jesus didn't just say it. He lived it and he lived it perfectly in every possible way all along the way. He's the perfect embodiment of grace and truth. Of mercy and love. He embodies every bit of it perfectly. He's the only one that can stand up and say, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes but by me. And people go, yeah. The only one. Anybody else? can go, mm, I don't think so. You know, there's a story. This This goes before I was born. But I remember reading this years ago, 1968, the Beatles, the biggest band in the world at the time, some of you hopefully know who the Beatles are, but maybe you don't a long time ago. But in the 60s, the greatest, you know, wrote tons and tons of hit songs. They went on a spiritual journey. They went to India and they sought out the spiritual guru that was going to teach them transcendental meditation. And so they all went and it was a big news story. And they went and they were there for months and they followed this guy around and he taught them and they did all these things. And then all of a sudden they all abruptly left. It was over. They were done with it. All of a sudden they weren't on this journey anymore and they were gone. And the story goes that the guru was just uh, wildly inappropriate. in what he said and what he did. And so here he was talking and he was saying these things and teaching them, but his life didn't back it up. And they all went, you know what? I don't think this is for me. It doesn't work if you don't have the, the life that backs it up. And so Jesus is the only one who can come and proclaim that he is the way, the truth in the life that you come through him and actually live it out because he is God in human form. He has come to us in the flesh. He is the exact imprint of the very nature of God. And so when we think about Jesus being the true and better prophet, as he speaks, he is God speaking. And as he lives it out, you are seeing what God looks like in his love and in his mercy and his life and the way he speaks and the way he acts. And so Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of, Of the prophet, he is the true and better prophet. And so, as we end, as we think about this, as we come into this time at Christmas, as we're coming closer to celebrating us, why is that such wonderfully marvelous good news? That Jesus is the true and better prophet that actually comes in. The first thing I would say to you is that God that we serve, the God that we worship, is not a far-off God who just speaks through piecemeal through different people. We worship a God who came to us to seek us out. He doesn't just sit up and say, I'm going to send down messages at different times. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to enter the story and I'm going to show you exactly what it looks like. I'm going to show you what my love looks like. I'm going to come and enter into this story and do this. The one who upholds the universe by the power of his word says, I am going to humble myself to become a child born in a manger in the middle of nowhere. And I'm going to grow and I'm going to learn and I'm going to show you exactly what it likes and I'm going to do what you could never do for you. And so we don't worship a God who just speaks through different prophets at different times. What an incredible picture. Phil's going to come in just a minute and teach us. A new song called Child of Glory It says Child of Glory, infant, holy, peaceful, babe, and awesome savior. We worship a savior who came and was born in a manger as a child, but he didn't humble himself just in that way. He didn't show us love just by humbling himself and entering in, but he showed it in his entire life. Because he was perfect. Because he was the exact imprint of God's nature, because he walked out all those things, he could do what it says here at the end in verse four or at the end of verse three. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He didn't just enter in and humble himself and become one of us and walk. But then he lived the perfect life and then he said, I will take your sins for you and I will take them on me and I will make purification for you your sins i will restore you to god i will be your perfect priest and he shows us exactly what god is like and so when we worship when we come to this time at christmas it's not about giving gifts although that's fun and that's great it's not about all these other things we make it but it's that we see the true and better prophet perfectly lived out in front of us in jesus And so we get to worship and celebrate because of what he's done. And so let us have that be over us this next week. That we worship a God, we worship a savior who is the exact imprint of the very nature of God. And he humbled himself to come to us that we can have a relationship with him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for these few verses, just how full and magnificent they are. That you humbled yourself to come to us, that you are the true and perfect prophet, that you show us exactly what you're like, that you love us so much that you come to reveal that to us. And for that, we thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for the fullness of what he's done for us. And we pray all these things in his precious name. Amen.